self-analysis so whoever's got the book if they can uh, open up that page and the first topic is called inquiry into yourself that's exactly what it means we're now in this chapter going to look within us we're so used to looking outwards into the world we forget what's going on inwards And the whole exercise is to look within. The whole spiritual exercise is to look within. But because we're not used to it, we need to learn how to do that, why we need to do that. We have to explore that. So that's this topic, self-analysis. Inquiry into yourself. So, Ravi, you going to read paragraph one? Thank you. Self-analysis, inquiry into yourself. Yourself is pure consciousness. You are the supreme reality. Spiritual pursuit culminates in the self. You discover yourself by turning introvert. Through inquiry into yourself. You must gradually wade through your body, mind and intellect. Your gross subtle and causal bodies to reach the divine core of your personality. To gain the bliss of self-realization, but the human tendency is to be extrovert. Instead of seeking the self within, people pursue the external world for pleasure, joy and knowledge. They get involved in mundane affairs and the mind becomes restless, agitated. The intellect loses its clarity to inquire into the essence of life. So what's this paragraph saying? We are, as a human being, made up of... You want to turn the microphones off? Thank you. Jay, your mic's on. Can you turn it off? Thank you. So as a human being, we're made up of spirit and matter. We all know that. Spirit is the self, the core of our personality, and the matter is our physical personality, the body, mind, and intellect. We say the matter vestures. This is a human being. This is all of us. Yeah? We all, we've all understood that already. When the spirit contacts 
the matter layers, the body, the mind, the intellect, there is an expression of a human being. Just like when electricity contacts a bulb, there is an expression of light. So this composite personality, us a human being, as a human being, we have a choice. Either to focus on any one of those components, any one of those parts, the body, the mind, the intellect, or the self. We have a choice to choose what do we, what, what do we want to focus on. So what happens if we con concentrate on the body, we focus on the body? What happens? What do we become? Anyone? What do we become if we focus on the body? Materialistic. Materialistic. Become a physical personality. Remember that uh, diagram? Physical, spiritual, emotional, intellectual person. So if we concentrate on the body, we become a physical personality. Everything we do, we think, will be physical. You look in the mirror, all you care is about your physical appearance. How you look, your muscles, your hair, your complexion. When you look at someone else, you only see their physical appearance. You judge them on their looks, their appearance, how they walk, how they talk. That's when you focus on your physical personality, when you focus on the body. If, it's, if you're someone who focuses on the mind, you become an emotional personality. You covered this a couple of classes ago. No, we're going into more detail. You become an emotional personality. Everything is based on how we feel. I'm happy. You make me miserable. I'm feeling down today. This makes music makes me feel emotional. That movie I saw, what a tragedy. I felt bad afterwards. Everything is to do with emotions. This is an emotional person. See, there's all types of people. Some people are emotional, some people are physical. You're in the gym 24 seven, you're a physical person. And then if you're someone who concentrates on your intellect, your focus is on your intellect, you become an intellectual personality. You analyze everything. You need, in, you need knowledge, intellectual stimulation. What is going to happen in the world today? All the stock markets are down. I need to understand what is going on in the markets. What's happening in China, USA, India? So that's someone who focuses on the intellect. So what happens if you concentrate on the self? What happens, Magna? You become more spiritual. You become a spiritual person. You become the self. Is everyone with me? So where's your focus? You have a choice what to focus on in, the, in, the, in life. Hardly anyone focuses on, your, on the core of their personality, the self. 
It's not your fault. You don't know how to. You don't know you need to. The law of nature is, as you think, so you become. Deepa. What are your thoughts? Where are your thoughts? As you think, so you become. A businessman talks about business. He meets his friends in a social gathering. All they talk about is business. Gambler will talk about gambling. Sportsman will talk about sports. Whatever you think, you become. We never think about the self. That's the problem. So if you think of the self while you're functioning, living in the world, then you are a spiritual person. That's all. That's all you need to do. In every action you perform, you think of what's making me act. You're now a spiritual person. A spiritual person is not based on how many times you go to a temple or church. Yeah? Just because you go to a temple and church every day doesn't make you a spiritual person. Not the number of verses of the Gita or Sastras you can repeat. That doesn't make you a spiritual person. person who can switch his attention on the self instead of his body, mind and intellect, this is a spiritual person. Is everyone clear on that? You may go to temples and churches and mosques to inspire you, but that doesn't mean you don't put in the effort to think of the self. That may inspire you, may allow you to contemplate on something higher, but you still have to put in the effort. We are the pure consciousness, the self. All spiritual journeys end in the self. Self meaning God. So this paragraph is saying is we need to look within, become introvert, go beyond our outer personality to find the self. But we're all programmed to be generally extroverted. This is the problem. We don't know how to look within. We look for joy and happiness in the external world. We've been brought up like that. So these classes help you to change your focus. To learn this subject, to put in the effort, we can change our focus. See, the problem is we get involved in the world. And when we get involved, it creates agitations in the mind. And that involvement and agitation, we lose, the intellect loses its clarity to find out the truths of life. We get so involved in the world that we lose focus completely. 
No, we don't know anything else. No one tells us about this, the self, the core of our personality. No one talks about this because this knowledge is so difficult to come by in its clarity. Any questions? It's just to paint a picture of what's happening to us and in the world. Is it quite clear? Change our focus, look within, from our body, mind, intellect, to the self within, the core of our personality. That's all it's saying in that paragraph. Yeah. Everyone with me? Shashi? Good. Shilabin? Yeah. Uh, you say it's difficult. It's because it cannot be seen, but only be searched and felt for. Because as you grow up, the only thing people you you brought up doing is looking after yourself in uh, outwardly. Basically, everything is more outwardly, and nobody speaks of the 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 inwards. The, the spirit and the Atman, because nobody knows it. I mean, not nobody knows it, but they don't know how to express it. Well, now you know it, and we're expressing it. <laughs> yeah? You're absolutely right. But that's what, exactly what we're doing in this class. Ravi. The divine law of life is that you shall be pure free from mental agitation and suffering. Your true self is ever peaceful and blissful. But when you stay away from the self and run after the world, you will be inflicted with pain and suffering. Sow the wind you reap, the whirlwind. The law is unrelenting. Sow the wind, you reap the whirlwind. The law is unrelenting. The law of life states that we should be free from mental agitations and suffering. This is our true personality. Because the self is pure, peaceful, ever blissful. Our true personality is of peaceful and happiness. But when we pursue the world, we become extroverted, we run after the pleasures of the world instead of the self, we will suffer. This is a law. Anyone know why we suffer? Why do we suffer when we go out into the world? We form the agitations. Why? How? By having desires. Unfulfilled desires. And because of unfulfilled desires, we get agitations. You also get agitations because you have expectations as well. In you have expectations. Unreasonable expectations. Because lack of understanding of the world and everyone in it. So, why, if you're agitated, you're suffering because you're extroverted. Look within, and that will, the agitations will calm down. Megna, okay? 
Ravi. Therefore, try to diagnose the cause of agitation and grief. Get to the root of your problems. Go deeper into the inner layers of your personality. You may want to consult the scripture. Take guidance from a preceptor. With all that, you must get on to your own reflection and contemplation. You will then find out there is but one fundamental source for all sorrow one cause for evil and misery in the world. That is the ignorance of the self. People everywhere have lost the identity of the self. Instead, they have identified themselves with the body, mind and intellect. Become attached to material equipments and their endless demands and run after the world to appease them, not realizing that the physical, emotional, and intellectual appetites are insatiable. The unfulfilled desires remain to produce mental agitation and sorrow. Hence, must you leave your infatuation to the body, mind, and intellect. Realize you are the kernel, not the shelf, shelf, shelf. Turn introvert and gain the knowledge of self. You then liberate yourself from all agitation and attain enduring peace and bliss. That's all you have to do. Look within rather than look out. They're saying if you try to find a source of agitations, You'd realize that it's due to the ignorance of the self. Ignorance of your true personality. We're suffering because of our attachment to our physical layers, our body, our mind and intellect and their demands. The demands that these three material layers make cannot be fulfilled. The demands are insatiable. It's never ending. That's what it's saying. All these celebrities, everyone, they're having a liposuction, they're having facelifts. Why? Demands of the body to look good. They can't take it that they're getting old. It will never end. They can't accept they're getting old. Demand, emotional demands. Intellectual demands, I want more knowledge. It's never ending. We keep saying, if I get that, I'll be happy. If, if I get married, I'll be happy. If I can upgrade my car for a new model, I'll be happy. If I have a son, daughter, I'll be happy. If my partner shows more attention to me, I'll be happy. It's always if I get that at all the three levels. This will never stop. This is what they're saying. This will never stop. Even on your deathbed, it will carry on. The unfulfilled desires will cause you mental agitations. 
You may believe it or you may not believe it, but this is the fact. It will never stop. So what happens? We run after endless demands, endless desires of the body, mind, intellect. And this creates endless desires because of our ignorance of our true nature. So they're saying it will never, you will never be content. This is what they're saying. Only it's the ignorance of the self. Once you start gaining knowledge of your true personality, the agitation start subsiding. Because of the ignorance of the, our true personality, the self, we use the body, mind, intellect to find satisfaction. So they're suggesting to turn introvert gain knowledge of the self. Then you become free from agitations in your peace and bliss. Problem is we are trying to find this peace and bliss from our physical layers through the external world. It's not possible. No one has found it yet. This is what they're saying. Anyone found it? Anyone you know who's found it? Who are completely content, want nothing else in life? The richest man wants more riches. The powerful man wants more power. Beautiful lady wants more beauty. It's never ending. This is what they're saying. They've analyzed us, they've analyzed the world, these great sages, and this is the conclusion they've come to. And this isn't one person's conclusion. This is hundreds of sages who have come to the same conclusion. It's up to us to believe them or not. Any questions? I don't mean to upset you guys on Sunday morning. <laughs> Yeah, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, trust me. Ravi. Yourself is the theme of all religions. Preceptors and preachings cannot help you find it unless you inquire into yourself. External sources of knowledge can only set you thinking. But you must make good use of the scriptural knowledge by engaging your intellect to reflect independently upon the truths therein. Do not sell your liberty of reflection to spiritual personalities, regardless of their merit. You must seek the truth yourself. The Godhead lies within you. Remove the veil of ignorance and revel in the supreme bliss that lies within. Not realizing your inherent wealth, you try in vain to find peace and joy in the external world. So the American philosopher Ralph Waldo Emerson rightly quipped, every man 
is a divinity in disguise, a god playing the fool. Religious. Uh, self. Oh, thank you. Sorry. Oh, sorry. So this paragraph is saying all religions point towards the self. But we need to gain this knowledge and reflect on it ourselves by using our intellect. We should not give up our right of reflection to religious personalities. Now, don't get me wrong, that doesn't mean you don't listen to people with knowledge. Yeah? Spiritual gurus, anyone who can give you knowledge, you should look up to them. But you have to use the knowledge they give you and reflect on it yourself. Make it your understanding. Only then you will develop. You can listen to people and it becomes just knowledge. Only when you reflect on it, it becomes wisdom. You, go, you can come to these classes every Sunday unless you put effort into understanding it, thinking about it, spending some time reading about it. You will gain only knowledge. It won't change you. You know the facts, you know the laws, but you're still the same. You have to put the effort in. And then there's a change within. The self is the theme of all religions. People following that religion might not realize it, but all the major religions originate from this knowledge. Can you believe that? All major religions originate from this knowledge. Old Testament, Moses went up to Mount Sinai and he saw the flame. You know the story, Ten Commandments. The God, and God spoke to him and Moses asked, who are you? He asked the flame, who are you? And God said, I am that I am. I is yourself, the self within you. I am that I am. Remember in previous classes you said, who is this I? The I is that self, the God within you. So God said to Moses, I am that I am. That was the Old Testament. In the New Testament, Christ said, the kingdom of heaven is within you. Famous saying, the kingdom of heaven is within you. Means whatever you're looking for is inside you, not outside. Muhammad, the Quran said, the greatest jihad is the conquest of yourself. The greatest jihad is the conquest of yourself. Unfortunately, some followers have misunderstood the meaning, hence the conflicts in the world. They don't know what they meant. Greatest jihad is a conquest of yourself, meaning discovering the self within. In the Gita, Krishna says, I am the self in all of you. Krishna is in all of us. The Upanishad declares, I am Atman Brahman. Self is God. This is what we're studying. 
Sarindo Upanishads. I am Atman Brahman, self is God. So it's the theme, substance of all religions. So we will have to find it. See, it gets misinterpreted. As time goes on, people put their different interpretation on all these religions. Yeah. And the substance of the religion gets lost. This is the problem. But there's only one God. So remember, it doesn't matter how many religions there are, there's only one God. So if we analyze, any questions, by the way? Yeah, can we, can, can we understand that this is all the religions are pointing to the same thing? Do you know why that, that is the case, by the way? Any idea why all religions point to the same thing? Any idea? Because all religions, the, the foundation is based on the knowledge of the Upanishads. They've taken a small section of it and turned it into religion. As the knowledge, the, the philosophy of all religions stems from the Upanishads. Even the Greek philosophy stems from the Upanishads. So if we analyze what happens is our whole goal in life is to go within and look for the self. That is the focus. That is the reason we're born is to look within to find who we really are. But what happens is that we're living in this world and in order to look within, we need to be comfortable. We need money. We have to find everything in the world is disturbs us, yeah? It stops us from going within because we look outwards. So if our goal is to look within, what happens is that we need to be comfortable, as I said. So we go to look for money. We look for wealth. Why? So it can root the disturbance of a roof over our head. Remove the disturbance of food on the table. Yeah? So we look for money. So that if we get those disturbances out of the way, we can seek the self. This is the goal. So what happens? You need to eat food house for shelter, money in the bank. So all these hunger, food, uh, hunger, food, house, everything disturbs the pursuit of the self. So actually the our goal is to go in within, but we have to go out in order to be comfortable in life so we can focus on the self. But we come across all these problems in life. It'll be more clear when I, as I go on. So you got, for example, you do yoga, you remove the disturbance of the body. So you get it fit so you can sit for meditation. 
You can't sit and meditate to seek the self unless you are able to sit on the floor and meditate. So you go to do yoga. You get involved in yoga. You forget why you're doing yoga in the first place. So all these disturbances you have to remove in life. But when you go to remove the disturbance, we get stuck there. You need a car to go to work. Why? So you can get money to remove disturbances. You get stuck, which car shall I buy? Saloon, sports, luxury, petrol, diesel, electric. We get stuck there. We forget why we need the car. Is everyone with me? You need food to eat. So your stomach is full. When you're meditating, seeking the self, you're not agitated. Which food shall I eat? Shall I go to Tesco's or Waitrose? Shall I go to a restaurant? Which restaurant shall I go? Let me check the reviews. Taj Mahal restaurant, Michelin star. That sounds good. We get stuck there. We get involved. What food shall we eat? This is the problem. We can't control. We forget why we're doing it in the first place. So he's saying never lose sight of your goal in life. Never lose sight of divinity, self, God, Brahman, no matter what. And there's a quote from Ralph Emerson, an American philosopher. He says, every man is a divinity in disguise, a God playing the fool. Everyone is God, but because of his ignorance, he's playing the fool. Any questions? So this is why we're here, to, to discover our personality. But we get involved in the world at the three levels. This is the problem. So we need to understand that and rectify it. This Maya is so strong. This is the problem. Even for a few minutes, you can't think. You get involved. All of us. Any clarifications? Satish, make sense? Next time you go looking for food, remember, why am I eating? So that I can sustain myself and think of the self. Why am I doing yoga? So I can be physically fit, I can sit on the floor and meditate. Just come in. Ravi, did you have a question? Okay. Don't know. Read the next paragraph. Religious books and discourses on their own cannot bring about spiritual development in you. The knowledge contained in the scripture can make you a well-informed person, but for spiritual transformation, you need to put in considerable effort in reflection and contemplation upon the knowledge received. Lectures from masters will be of no avail 
unless you are prepared to lecture to yourself. Lord Krishna pronounces this truth in his oft-quoted words, you must raise yourself by yourself. He's saying we gain knowledge from religious texts and we are well informed. But for spiritual progress, we need to put in a lot of effort in reflection and contemplation upon this knowledge. Only you can do it. Nobody can help you. They can give you the knowledge and information. You can get books, you get advice from books, satsang classes, but the effort you have to put in. Just attending is not going to make a difference. See, you want to develop your body. Most of you go to the gym. You have to go to the gym and exercise. You have to control your food, what you eat. Practice healthy eating. No one else can do it for you. You can't pay someone to put in the effort. The gym instructor can guide you. But who has to lift the weights? You have to lift the weights to physically get fit. You can't pay the gym instructor to lift the weights for you as well. Yeah, he can instruct you, but you have to put in the effort. So Krishna says, you must raise yourself by yourself. All these aids are available to you, but only you can do it. No one else can do it for you. Everyone's journey is their own. You can't take anyone with you. You have to walk the path on your own. See, when you go to all these um, spiritual sites, you know, you go to Chardam, Badrinath, Kerana, you ever wondered why the path is so narrow to get to the temple? Any idea? Why is a path always a single path? Because only a person can only walk on their own to it. You can't take anyone with you. It's a single path for a single person. Whoever will get there, will get there. You can't take your whole family with you. Can't take your friend with you. It's a lonely journey. That's why they made a narrow path because they know only one person is going to walk up on their own. Not a group of people will be walking up. I'm talking about a true seeker. Any questions before we move on to the next topic? Everyone clear about what we've said so far? Thank you. Krishnabin, did you have a question? Yes, um, you're saying that you need to find comfort um, in terms of money and house and whatever. So doesn't that make between the ages of 20 to 30 year olds really difficult to self-focus because they're too busy trying to get these comforts? Yeah, it all depends on your vasanas. If I'm honest with you, how strong is your vasana for spiritual development? You know, you hear about all these great sages they were teenagers when they went to the Himalayas because the Vasana was so strong in them. Some of them had the desire from young, but because of worldly entanglements, they couldn't 
because of worldly responsibilities, entanglement, they couldn't leave until they felt that everything was settled, family, home, etc. Then they went into samadhi. Then they went to searching. So everyone has their own baggage to deal with before they can do this. It depends on how strong your desire is, you see. Yeah. It's different for different people. See, if a person at 18 realized that this world is an illusion, I'm finding no happiness here. I read this in this Upanishad. I understand it. Why am I waiting? Why am I doing all this? I'm just going to go and join an ashram and learn about the truths of life. Nothing's stopping him. It all depends on how extroverted he is and how introverted he is. Hmm. What desires he has. Is that okay? Yes. Yourself is supreme reality. The problem facing humanity today is that none wants to look within oneself. People are enchanted by the fascinations of the external world. They do not, they do not find the need to go introvert. Vedanta cautions them that there is no peace and happiness in the sense objects or beings or anything that the world can offer. They claim that their personal experience belies the statement and dismiss the caution as baseless. They're saying we are so captivated by the world. See, we have five senses and the world caters to that. So the attraction is so strong that we forget to look within. We're so extroverted because it's like a magnet pulling us. So we never get out of that. So we never look within. But this knowledge Vedanta states, there is no satisfaction in the sense objects that the world offers. Saying there's no happiness in the world. The problem is we experience a form of joy, a form of happiness. So we reject this claim. You have a bar of chocolate. I said, there's no happiness in eating that chocolate. You'll say, well, I'm eating it. I'm tasting it. It tastes nice. I'm feeling a sense of joy. Absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So how can you then, how can you then accept that statement that there's no happiness? Because you're enjoying it. This is the problem. The intelligentsia argue their sense organs enjoy the sense objects, that their eyes gain pleasure from sight, ears from sound, nose from smell, tongue from taste, and skin from touch. So does the mind contact and experience the joy of emotion and the intellect revel in acquiring knowledge in the world. Their argument seems tenable. 
They are convinced that they perceive the pleasure and joy in the world and personally experience it. Nevertheless, Vedanta maintains that there is no pleasure or peace in the world. It bids you examine your conviction closely. You will then find the truth of its statement. So as, as I said before, these great masters, they're saying there's no enjoyment in sense objects. So throughout life, we're fulfilling, chasing, fulfillment for the five senses. These are our constant pursuits. From morning to night, this is all we are doing. The chasing in fulfillment for the five senses. As it mentioned, eyes, ears, nose, touch, speech. See, we examine, we see the Taj Mahal, we see Eiffel Tower, we see a sunset, we see a sunrise. We enjoy this view. We have an experience, isn't it? We'll enjoy this. So who is to say you're not getting any enjoyment? You go to see a movie. You've been looking forward to this movie. You go and see it. You enjoy it. You come out, that was a good movie. There is a sense of enjoyment. You taste your first mango of the season. There is a sense of enjoyment. You hear some nice enchanting music. You enjoy listening it, to it. It stirs emotions in the mind. You read Harry Potter, you enjoy reading it. The intellect enjoys it. Or any book for that matter. Now someone is saying there is no joy in these. Sounds ludicrous, sounds absurd. Because you're experiencing it every day. It's hard to get your head around this, but they give you an example, yeah? And you have to think about this. So, a couple of days ago, actually, maybe a week ago, in the garden, I saw a full moon, bright as anything. It looks so close. You may have all seen it. The moon was so brightly lit. The whole garden looks as if it's daytime. That's how the bright the moon was. We enjoy that light. It looks beautiful. We can see the light. If we look in the moon, you can see the light. We can feel the light. We can sit outside with our partner and enjoy that moonlight. So you're all intelligent people here. Is there light on the moon? No, it's a reflection of the sun. See, I told you, everyone's intelligent here. No, there is no light on the moon. But you're enjoying it. You're feeling it. You're sensing it. But now you're saying there's no light on the moon. How can that be? See, you're all intelligent, so you realize, you understand that. Now you tell someone who is illiterate, uncivilized, you look, look up and they say, there's no light on the moon. And the guy said, what are you talking about? You're crazy, man. 
What are you studying? What subject are you studying? Pagal, look, there's the moon, there's the light. What are you telling me? Stop going to these Sunday classes. It's making you look at life differently. There is no, there is light on the moon. Now I ask you. So similarly, a spiritual person understands there is no pleasure in sense objects. A spiritual person understands there is no pleasure in sense objects. An unspiritual person doesn't understand that. This is the analogy. Like I said, you need to think about it. But it's the same analogy. Meghna, can you read the next paragraph, please? The error in the conviction of the intelligentsia is akin to professing that the moon has light in it. On a moonlit night, you see the light emerging from the moon, the full moon, at 384,400 kilometers away, shedding its brilliant light over the earth. You use it to find your way. You enjoy the moonlight. By virtue of your experience, you are aware that there is light in the moon, and yet you will appreciate the moon has no light in it. It has only arid land and dust. You would know that when you approach it, when you reach it. The light you see from afar is reflected light. The moon merely reflects the light of the sun. There you go. That's the example we just explained. Any clarifications on that analogy? Like I said, you need to think about it. But this is exactly what's happening. You're enjoying the moonlight, but there's no light on the moon. You're enjoying sense pleasures, but they're saying there's no pleasure in sense objects. So what is it then? Make one. Can you read the next paragraph, please? Similarly, the world has no happiness inherent in it. The pleasure and joy you seem to get out of the world is a reflection of the bliss of yourself. The self in you is all blissful. This supreme bliss is reflected the world over in every object and being, in every perception, emotion and thought. You see pseudo bliss and run after it. When you get close, and actually encounter it, you become disillusioned. No wonder the wealthy confess that there is no peace and happiness in wealth. The powerful with all the power also find themselves duped and disappointed. So it is with any worldly acquisition and enjoyment. Therefore, the way to ride over the monotony and misery of the world to find everlasting peace and happiness is to pursue the re and reach the source. Discover the self within you, the nucleus of true happiness. 
So he's saying that happiness we experience from the world is a reflection of our own self in everything. This self is reflected in all objects and beings in the world, in all our experiences in the world. But this is not real happiness. If you examine this experience, you will become disappointed in the long term. That's why the powerful are not happy, the rich are not happy. No matter what you gain in the world, you will not find true happiness. Only through going inwards, by discovering the self within you, you will find this true happiness, bliss. See, the problem is we don't believe it, as I said. Only when you reach the heights you want to reach in the world, then you realize. Your goal is to be a millionaire. You, reached, you become a millionaire. Why am I still not happy? I want to be prime minister. You become the prime minister. Why am I still not happy? Is Boris happy? Look what's happened. What he came to do and what he has to do. He wanted to be prime minister. I have a Ferrari, Porsche. Why am I not happy? Dream car. I'm married to Brad Pitt. Why am I still not happy? Anita? You're married to Brad Pitt. Why are you still not happy? By the time we find out, it's too late. By the time we come to that conclusion, it's too late. We're old. This is the problem. We become 80, we've achieved everything, and then you find out, why am I still not happy? You're too old now to find out and to get this knowledge and understand it. So while you have your eyes, your senses working reasonably well, this is the best time to learn this and pursue it. The older you become, the more difficult it is. Any questions? Yeah, Dermish. You said that because our senses are there, we can pursue it. But if we had no senses, wouldn't we find ourselves easier? Because we're less inclined to entangle with the world through our desires. See, first of all, you can't function without your senses. Even to go within to find the self within, you need your senses. You have to use your senses to go within. Your emotions, your five senses, you need that. It's controlling those senses. This is, the, this is the whole exercise. Controlling those senses to gain what you're looking for, to make it go inwards. Right now, everything is outwards. So all your material layers, your body, mind, intellect, and all its components, you're, you're trying to get it to look inside you, rather than outside. This is the whole exercise.
Megna. Megna, the next section, um, you read the Prince bit and I'll read the Sage bit, is that okay? Okay. A prince approached a sage reverentially to learn all about God. A conversation ensued. Venerable master, who is God? Where is he? How can I reach him? May I know who you are? My name is Gajapati. I appreciate that is your name, but tell me who you are. I am a prince. Is that not your status? Yes, it is. I guess I am just a human being. You say you are a human being, not a bird or a beast, but that is the species that which you belong. You have not yet told me who you are. The prince then realized that he was going round in circles and did, not know, and did not really know who he was. So with all humility, he spoke again. I am then this body, mind and intellect, which define my person. Nay, not so. They are your material equipments. They too belong to you. The answer left the prince bewildered and he submitted himself to the master. Sir, I now reckon I do not know myself. Kindly let me know who am I and how does that relate to my inquiry of God? Dear Prince, you are the Supreme Self, the divine core of your person. The body, mind and intellect are mere vestures enveloping yourself. The self is known as Atman in Sanskrit, God in English. You'll have to find the self within through introspection, through study, reflection and meditation. Vedanta helps reveal the Supreme Self in you. You then realize your infinite being that which keeps you performing countless deeds. You move every muscle in the body. You cause each hair to grow. You eat. You produce the digestive juices in the stomach. You digest the food taken in. You distribute the digested food in every part of your body. You evacuate the waste. You operate the nerves. You feel emotions. You think various thoughts, these go on and on all your life. So this knowledge helps to discover the self within us. See, if we analyze what is happening in us. Morning we shave, next morning hair is there again. Who pushes it out? The heart pumps blood, which flows through our system all our life. Who makes it pump? Just to see someone, something, a sight, he says that it takes a hundred million operations just to recognize someone. Who designed that? Each cell, how it functions, the digestive system, the respiratory system. The temperature in our body is a constant, what is it, 37 degrees? 37 degrees. Two, one or two degrees change, we are sick. Who maintains it? 
An apple seed is a tiny little object, tiny little thing. You plant it, turns into a big tree and gives hundreds of apples. How is that? Who does that? Who designed that? This power is within us all, but we don't recognize it. It's saying this power is what we call the self, God. Megna. God is therefore the primal source of all activity. The supreme self, which assumes the three forms of the waker, dreamer, and deep sleeper. The infinite power that operates in your personality is the same that operates everywhere. That enlivens the entire animal and plant world as well. The self same power that causes the sun to shine, earth to revolve, rivers to flow. That supreme power is known as Atman in the microcosm and Brahman in the macrocosm. Atman and Brahman are one and the same reality that is the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God, your divine self. So God is the power responsible for everything that is going on in the world. The same God that is within us is the God that is everywhere. As mentioned before, God within us is called Atman in the microcosm, microcosm being what's happening within us. And when it's functioning externally in the macrocosm, it's Brahman. Brahman is when it's functioning all around us. These are both the same, we call God. So this is our mission in life, to gain the knowledge of our true personality and discover the self within us. Only then we'll be truly happy. Only then we have reached our goal as a human being. Any clarifications? Any questions? It's a lot to think about and think you should do. <laughs> that is the end of uh, today's class. So if there's any general questions or clarifications, please feel free to ask. Yeah, Ming. Um. When we were talking before about the happiness from sense objects, and then you realize through the knowledge that there is no happiness in those sense objects. So when you require sort of that higher state, do you no, you no longer gain happiness from those things? So are you just happy all the time in general? Because obviously we still live in the world, we still have those encounters do we not feel anything towards those things when they happen once you reach a state or are you just in a constant state of happiness? See, um, you are in a constant state of happiness. You're enjoying those objects. You're enjoying those beings. You're enjoying the company of your partner, etc. 
But you understand that this isn't true happiness. Yeah, you're still enjoying it, but your one focus is still is on the self. What's making me enjoy this? What is my role? I am enjoying this bar of chocolate, but I must understand what makes me taste. What makes me enjoy this chocolate is not the chocolate, it's the self within. It's a reflection of the self within. You don't go up to the divine of creation. We go through life. Whilst going through it, you keep one eye on the self. What makes you function? See, sense objects are out there to be enjoyed. But the problem is that we, we depend 100% on that for our enjoyment. And this is the issue we have. We get duped by it. And it's never ending. But if we understand that this is not going to make me truly happy, only discovering my true personality will make me happy, then you're contacting those objects and beings with the right understanding. You're not upset if it disappoints you. You're not upset if someone let you, lets you down. Does that make sense? You understand the world is unpredictable. It cannot fulfill all my peace, all my happiness. But whatever happiness I'm getting, I'll enjoy, which is fine. See, what happens then, you don't go up and down. One minute you're happy, one minute you're miserable. One minute you're happy, one minute you're miserable. This is what causes us the issues. So you're enjoying the world for what it is. And that's the right contact. Does that make sense? Really? Thank you. Okay. Any other clarifications? I don't have a clarification, but it's a question. Yeah. We just mentioned that all religions or, mo or most religions were derived from the their teachings from the Upanishads. So when we follow a certain religion or a certain scripture or book like the Bible or the Mahab I mean the Gita, why doesn't anybody mention that it comes from the Upanishads or because when we if when we do the the when the readings of the Gita, we finish it, right? But then we need to open the third eye, which is ourselves. But because we are so involved in that story, we end up with, with that story, and then we don't go further. But my question is that why they don't direct you to the Upanishads or the Vedanta? Who doesn't direct you? Because all religions, right? They are, they are stories and they, they do say, right? and it's explained well, everything, but we are too caught up in the drama of the story 
and forgetting the real Who's message. Who's caught up in the drama? Ourselves, because... That's the problem. They, they tell you the story and it's so elaborated that you, you forget that you are actually, it's, it's, I won't say distorted, but it's so fragmented that the, the message they're actually portraying, you don't, we, we, we're not focusing on the message. If we're focusing on what's happened around that message. So it's like having a whole paragraph written without uh, any uh, question mark or commas, and then we just come to a full stop, and that's the it. Problem is, when you're reading or listening to any of these things, why are you listening? Does it because it makes you feel good? Yeah. Does it make you feel I'm doing something spiritual? Does it because it makes you enchanted by the story? What is the reason for you doing it? Or is it because I want to learn about God and I want to develop myself as a human being? With what approach are you reading or listening to these things? This is, this is what you need to evaluate. Yeah. No, but as we grow up at different times in our lives, we, the same story, we are going to look at it differently. When you're a child, you're going to think, oh, this is all fun. You know, it's uh, all about the battle and this and that. And then as you grow older, you question more. But the, the thing is questioning. If you don't question, it's just a story, right? And First of all, are you questioning? Secondly, the person you're questioning, has he got the answer? Yeah. Okay. See, this is the thing what they're saying. You have to find it yourself. The stories are there to help you. The people but it's not free. Like, but it's not freely available, right? The people <laughs> reciting the story is there to help you. Yeah? But ultimately, you have to do the hard work. You have to find the, the philosophy in that story. See, these stories were written for a certain group of people at a certain time. So when you read the story, what is this message that is telling me the story? Why is this battle? What is this battle about? What, what should I learn from this battle? We get involved in the battle in the story. That's a problem, no? Yeah, yeah. What a lovely story. The way he read that story. You, read, you watch it on TV, Marburg. Wow, that guy really played Arjuna really well. This is what you're involved in. What about what the message is? They don't go into all that because no one will, no one will watch it then. This is but first, they're just talking about the senses, the intellect, the mind. Who's going to watch it? They want to see heroes. They want to see villains. <laughs> that we, we get involved in that. Costumes. The, we get involved in what? This is the world. We're involved in the world in the costume, the villain, yeah, the hero. This is what we're involved in the world. We forget our true purpose. Same thing. See, if you're a true seeker, you'll find the truth. Whatever it takes, you'll go and find it. You read the Mahabharata, Bhagavad Gita, you'll say, okay, where's the truth in here? Okay, this paragraph's talking about the self, that paragraph's talking about the self. I'm not interested in the rest of the paragraph. In fact, they're all talking about the self. But whatever talks to you, you'll take. Okay, what, what's next? True seeker will find it. The person who's not a true seeker will get involved. This is the problem.
You see, they say it's like a true seeker, it's like that desire in him is so strong, is that like when you someone is holding your head in underneath water, the you're so desperate to get a breath, yeah. But someone's holding you underwater. That's the kind of desire you need to find the truth. Where are we? That's how strong the design needs to be. So if you if you if you want to find the truth, you'll find it. Look, don't let it dishearten you. You're all learning, you're all studying, and whatever little knowledge you get will help you in life. And this is the journey. Any last clarifications? Last questions? Great. So any, think about what we've said today. Any questions? Somebody, did you have a question? Sorry. No, no, no. If you have any clarification questions, we can ask on Wednesday. Enjoy the day. Remember the self in all your enjoyments. <laughs> <laughs> we need your darbat shak. Remember. Remember. <laughs> Okay, guys, have a good day.